0: The Wrestling Brethren Podcast, a show where professional wrestling and sports entertainment is discussed on a weekly basis. There are big event predictions and talk of what is liked and what is loathed. A show that does not cater to any one promotion, but rather welcomes all enjoyable content. With that in mind, here are Seth Zillman, Jared Aubrey, and Josh Weiner, also known as Xandrax Prime, And your host, Southpaw Josh. Welcome into the show. This is episode 320, where we will talk the best heel turns in professional wrestling as dictated by the three of us. Before we get to that, we have a couple of news items to get to, but before we can get to any of that, Seth... Jarrett, how the hell are you?
1: Well, I actually opened up my Pepsi Zero a little bit too soon here because I was thirsty, but uh, things are going uh, pretty well. This is a one of those subjects I think you can go back to multiple times because there's usually a good heel turn uh, every year or so. Some are better than others, and some of them are kind of lightning in a bottle and can never be repeated. But it's one of those things, I think, that when done well, it never gets old.
2: Yeah, and doing the research for this, I mean, I, I could have had a list of 25, and I, I tried to keep it to 10 with a couple honorable mentions, but there's a lot of good ones. So there's a lot of not so good ones as you as you get looking back on things. But yeah, this should be a fun episode. Looking forward to talking about it. And
0: here, <laughs> and here it sounded like you were having problems going to get to 10. Look at you, 25. All right, but before we get to those, a couple of news items. The first one is that um, shortly after working the Royal Rumble kickoff pre-show, a few days after that, it was reported uh, earlier this week that Jerry the King Lawler uh, suffered a stroke outside of his home. And he was found face down outside of his condo and was taken to the hospital. Um, But the good news is, is that he's had emergency surgery and he should be able to make a full recovery. He is 73 years old. Um, His significant other posted on Twitter earlier tonight that Jerry is out of ICU and will return to his Florida home for outpatient rehab for his limited speech and cognitive skills. Doctors are hopeful for full recovery. And Jerry is looking forward to returning to his fans very soon. Um, so well wishes to Jerry, the King Lawler. And, uh, you know, this guy's had a couple of strokes now, a heart attack on live television. The guy's got nine
1: lives. Absolutely. I mean, I put it out there on the social media. I said, uh, you know, get well soon, King. Time to pull the strap down and kick the Green Reapers ass one more time. Hopefully that's what he's doing. I mean, we all lose to Father Time in the end, but uh, he can hopefully still spend a few more years with us. I hope he gets uh, well enough that he can speak again, because obviously, you know, he's one of the best promos of all time, uh, regardless what he was the babyface or heel. So good to hear that he's doing better. And I hope he gets a full recovery.
2: Yeah, when I first saw the headlines, I had immediately thought the worst, given his history. But I'm really glad to hear that he's he's uh, on the other side of this, and sounds like he's going to make a full recovery. And that's that's amazing. Um, so yeah, definitely all, all the best, Jerry, and, and getting back to uh, not on the road, but back on his feet and uh, living life and living large again. Indeed.
0: Well, the other bit of news also took place today that the WWE Intercontinental Champion, the Ring General Gunther, has now the longest title reign of the Intercontinental Championship of the 21st century with 245 days and counting. Uh, The five longest intercontinental title reigns of the 21st century are Shinsuke Nakamura at 201, Randy Orton with 209, Cody Rhodes at 233, and if I would have told you guys to guess who was one day behind Gunther, I don't know if you guys would have been able to guess, but the gold standard Shelton Benjamin with 244
1: Mm. days. I was going to guess one of Mrs. Reigns. But that would make him, what, the third greatest intercontinental title of all time? Because I know Savage had it for a year. And then, of course, Honky had it the longest. Honky was, what, 14 months, I think.
0: Well, yeah, that's why this says the 21st century.
1: Exactly, yeah. But it's good news for him. Uh, I think uh, I've always been impressed with him. I think even before he went to WWE, because I saw him on the uh, Independence when he was still Walter. Because you know, I think he was it. I think he was doing like a, I want to say he was doing like pro wrestling gorilla. I think mean, he he was doing like the elite indies in the states. He really wasn't doing that many uh, dates in the United States. He was just coming over here for uh, tours here and there. But I I'd been a I've been a fan of his work for probably a year or two before he came to NXT. So I I hope he gets a world title someday.
2: Yeah, I I have no doubt he's going to be champ, world champ someday. Uh, look at the year the guy's had already, and we're in February. And he has that amazing match against Sheamus. He's has a ridiculous performance in the Royal Rumble. I just wish they would have kept the name Walter. It was so much more fun to say, all in caps. But uh, kudos. Yeah, the dude's kicking butt and he's doing it well.
0: All right. Well, it, he could be at least Intercontinental Champion till WrestleMania. So, tack on those days to this title reign, and he could be up there in the top five all time of the 21st century. So, kudos to him. All right. Well, let's get into the greatest heel turns. And I guess it would make sense to uh, just do what we normally do go around the table and. Seth, we will start with you.
1: Okay. Now, are, I take it these are not necessarily in any order, or are we trying to go like from ten up to one? Or
0: that's up to you. Doesn't okay. Really,
1: I mean, we're not compiling an
0: ultimate ranking list. But for example, mine are ranked ten to one plus one honorable mention. But that's entirely up to you how you want to do it.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Th- this will be in no particular order then, because I think number one we'd have for. All of our lists. So I wasn't going to try to. Yeah. So one that I have, because since I'm pretty sure this is not going to be on either of your two lists, so I'm going to go into July 1980 in. Uh, I. Now I'm blanking as to whether it was Florida or whether it was the Carolinas, but it was the Ole Anderson turn on Dusty Roads in July of 1980. And it was done up like. Ole needed Dusty's help. He pleaded with Dusty because he was going to fight the Russians and um, in, in, in a cage. And it took really months, I think, before Ole finally earned Dusty's trust. And they go in to have this cage tag match. I think it was uh, Gene Anderson was the referee or something like that. And it was one of those cases where pretty much shortly after the door slammed shut, and the match started. Everybody turned on Dusty. It was, uh, it was a con job all along. It was a lure, and I think on, on screen or in storyline, I think they broke Dusty's leg or something like that, and Dusty went on the shelf for a while. And because you know that's what Dusty's really good at—he's getting at hurt, getting hurt, and then coming back and giving that classic Dusty Rhodes promo. It was the the breaking of the arm, I think, that led to the hard times promo that everybody remember so that's my first one ole anderson turning on dusty roads in july of
2: 1980 god damn it so that was my top one
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm gonna go with um one of my honorable mentions here first if i can find my notepad and uh, probably a lot of people would have this higher up the list because of how it happened and everything. i'm just gonna get it out of the way and I'm going to say my number 12 is the Montreal Screwjob where Vince screws Brett. Not that it was the greatest heel turn, but just because of the, the impact that it had, to have. we don't need to talk about it. We've all, yeah. we all know what it is. We've talked about ad nauseum. We did an entire show with uh, Joe Dombrowski about it <clears throat> years ago. Uh, but yeah, Vince screwing Brett was, was pretty epic. And I just get that visual of uh, Brett painting the WCW letters with his finger in the air afterwards it was fantastic.
1: Yeah. In, in the end, it was. A Vince heel turn it wasn't intended to be at the time I mean we, we've all heard the story Vince thought he was gonna be treated like a baby face when he said the Brett screwed Brett line but the opposite basically happened but it's what led to the Mr. McMahon character so yeah I, I think that absolutely counts yeah
0: yeah I do have two from the 1980s Seth but that wasn't one of them mm-hmm. um Yeah, I'm going to start with my honorable mention as well, and it's the most recent on my list, and I was actually there for it. I have, as an honorable mention, November 25th, 2022, AEW Rampage, where Preston Vance turns on the Dark Order and Negative one. And the reason I put it in my honorable mention is because it was a dastardly turn on a little kid. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't get more... Reprehensible than him just taking his mask off and throwing it at the feet of negative one. And I was like, well, hot damn. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: yeah, that while not, you know, it hasn't done wonders for his career since, um, the turn itself was pretty drastic.
1: Yeah. And, and it's one of those because it's kind of like in my book. Stuff that's more recent, I can only put so high on the list, I think, because it's obviously the truly great ones endure. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's people talking about that one in a in a couple of years, even though it was just on a weekly television show, because, like you said, it was uh, it was done to a kid.
0: Hell, he's going to talk about it in, when he turns 18 and signs that official contract.
1: Yeah, he's going to have <laughs> his first around. feud.
0: He's going to come for. <laughs>
1: yeah. I guess I'll get this one I don't want to say out of the way but I just said it since we're um, we're talking ones that uh, oh like we we remember but maybe they not might not make like the all time great so if you want to call it an honorable mention fine. Uh, I was trying to limit mine to one out of one for each of these talents. Uh, Big Show and Luger, because both of those guys are like masters of the heel turn. So gonna, I, I think I've lost
0: them for his, for the sheer number of turns.
1: You can make a whole <laughs> fucking top
0: 10 on each of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but if I had to pick one, it would have been the initial Big Show turn where he joined the NWO. I think Bischoff was still doing commentary at the time. And I remember just kind of the silence when that happened and Bischoff talking about the balance of power and blah, 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 because we really didn't see that one coming. Up until that point, all the NWO members were former WWE guys. I think he was the first guy that was looked at as WCW homegrown to join the NWO. And I think it's one of the things that helped make it work at the time. Or is it it, you had one of the guys who was a homegrown talent joining the enemy? So Big Show joined or back then, just the giant joining the NWO. That's that's my list. That's my honorable mention.
2: I kind of have an honorable mention part two, and it is a more recent one. If you go back just a few, a few years already, two and a half, three years. But when Roman Reigns skipped WrestleMania because of COVID-19, and he disappears for his health. And then he comes back and it's wreck everyone and leave. And he aligns himself with Paul Heyman to start the whole character of the tribal chief. And I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge our tribal chief on the show, you know.
0: <laughs> he turned baby for me, man. I finally got on board, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm half kidding. He did turn heel, yes, but that that's when I finally became a Roman Reigns guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number 10 on my top 10 list is technically a tie between four characters and two guys five years apart. It is basically the same turn. Only one was a shorter, condensed version of it. But December 19th, 2009, Ring of Honor Final Battle pay per view, Kevin Steen turns on El Generico. And five years later, December 11th, 2014, R Evolution NXT Takeover, Kevin Owens turns on Sami Zayn. Both times, Kevin made it look like he was helping out his friend, and then bam, he'll <laughs> turn. So. Essentially the same turn, four different characters, two guys, the same turn, five years apart. And it, the irony is, is they're about to get together this year on
2: the road to WrestleMania. Yeah. Not one in NXT. That was right when Sammy won the belt, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was Kevin's debut. Yeah. And Sammy won the belt and Kevin looked like he was helping him to the back. And then he reverse face planted him into the steel grating on the ramp.
2: He gave him like 57 power bombs or something like that.
0: Yeah, and the ring apron, which if you hadn't heard, is the hardest part of the ring.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I did not know that. Wow.
0: (laughs) And then if you don't watch Ring of Honor, they had a tag match. It was Kevin Steen and El Generico versus the Young Bucks, if you can imagine the Young Bucks still wrestling back in 2009. And then so they lost, and Kevin Steen gives what sounded like a retirement speech. He's thanking everybody and – thanks ring of honor and all the people in the back and then he finally thanks el generico and they get they have a great hug in the ring and then kevin pulls back and he goes i forget what he says exactly but something like i think you absolutely suck and then he kicks him in the nuts (laughs) (sighs) so yeah my number 10 essentially the same turn five years apart two different promotions nice
1: I'm going to give another fairly modern one. Uh, The twist with this one, I think, is it really wasn't a heel turn. It was a heel staying a heel when you thought he might have been turning babyface. And I'm just going to give one hint here. They'll give it all away. And that's that salmon-colored sport jacket. And I'm talking about Mark Henry's uh, luring in of John Cena when he gave that wonderful promo about... (laughs) <laughs> you know that like daddy was coming home or, or something like that and he said everything to the point where even I was like okay are they are they really doing this and then of course he turns and that's just one of those things where it's like um what what what's the line uh that Jeff Goldblum has in the original Jurassic park about oh, you son of a bitch, you actually did it or something like that. Something of that effect It's like, he actually made me think that, that he was, uh, he was retiring. And then, you know, so, and then, and then like when he did his hall of fame induction speech, he was wearing the same, the same sport coat. I was, so yeah, the greatest you know, promo of his career. Ex- oh, absolutely. That, right up there with, uh, I mean, it was probably better. But the other one I remember liking a lot was when he first won the world title. He's like, is my mom, I ain't sharing it with none of y'all. <laughs> Cause, cause uh, it's like, you know, we, we kind of figured he would have been world champion a long time before that. But yeah, I'll, I'll put that on the uh, Mark Henry uh, turning on Cena.
0: See, that didn't even cross my mind as a heel turn because that just in my mind is a retirement promo turn. Which I'm not discounting it or anything like that. I'm just saying that it didn't it didn't pop in my mind. But he did that promo so well that when he actually did retire, everybody's like, "Oh, you should do a you should do a goodbye speech." He's like, "I already did it. Just because I didn't retire at the time, I'm not. It's not going to get any better than that." Yeah.
1: Well, again, going back to his Hall of Fame speech, where he started. Uh, so going out a couple of things, I think AJ was the world ty- world champion. He said, well, you know, AJ, you know, you got something I could go after. And you see, he's like hinting. It's like, "Nah, no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For as good
0: as that promo was, the two best lines came right after the world's strongest slam. Where he goes, do you think it's just that easy? I got a lot left in the tank. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at that time, making Super Cena look like a sucker, just icing on the cake.
2: <laughs> all right i'm going to go back to the what mid late 80s for my for my uh number 10 and it's when andre turned on hulk hogan
1: mm-hmm. that yeah, was on I my list that. yep
2: yep uh um, i guess that was on on piper's pit and that's when hogan got the trophy for being champ for for three years and you know and andre they're all buddies andre is celebrating with them and then the next week andre gets a
1: smaller trophy. <laughs> yeah. Um and they were trying to say it was undefeated for 15 years.
2: Yeah. They're the only undefeated man in wrestling. And, you know, then Hogan comes out to celebrate and, and, uh, but of course, Andre thought he was still in the spotlight and then shows up next week with, with Heenan and Hogan's all like, what WTF. And then that's when, Ho- um, Andre he rips the the cross in his t-shirt off. I'm like, Oh, oh snap.
1: This is on. <laughs> when he called it the WrestleMania. Yeah. Challenge you for a world title match at the WrestleMania.
2: At the WrestleMania, yeah.
0: Well, yeah that that was number seven on my list, so I did agree there. Uh, February seventh, nineteen eighty seven. So mm. two days ago, that was thirty six years ago. Yikes!
1: Yeah, we're old. We're old. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see that happen when it at the time, but I did. The following year, I saw the match where Andre pinned quote unquote Hogan, you know, in the whole, uh, that genius of uh, Hebner Brothers uh, yeah. fiasco.
0: Yeah. That, um, I was 11 when Andre turned on Hogan there. So, yeah, I remember watching that on TV and I pretty much had the same reaction as Jesse Ventura when he <laughs> lifted his leg and he's like, whoa. <laughs> All right, so my number nine it happened on a pay per view. Bragging rights October 25th, 2009. The match was a fatal four way for the world heavyweight title Undertaker versus CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio versus Batista. And this is when Batista turned on Rey Mysterio after Undertaker retained the world heavyweight title. And I just watched this clip again today to get a refresher. And it was such a weird and unique heel turn because Batista had just taken taken the tombstone. And... um, this was when smarmy Josh Matthews was, like, interviewing people at the worst possible times. Oh. And so he's, he's asking Ray, you know, like, how does it feel to come this close and not win the world heavyweight title? And Ray, you know, giving the classic babyface answers of, you know, it just wasn't our night. We'll, we'll regroup. We'll try it again and live to fight another day. And, Seth, I know you say that stuff all the time, but he literally said these things.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And um then they asked Batista and is like, What do you think of coming up just short? And he's like, You wanna know what I think? He goes, Do you think we do you think we almost pulled it off? And Ray's like, Yeah, you know, we gave it a good try. He asked the crowd, Do you think we almost pulled it off? Crowd cheers and he's like, I'll tell you what I think. I think I almost pulled it off. I think, I think I'm tired. I think I'm tired of my best friend stabbing me in the back. And Ray's like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you doing? This isn't, you know, he's trying to beg off and whatever. (laughs) And the best part of this heel turn is Batista literally tells him what he's going to do to him and goes, Ray, I'm going to rip your head off. And then he gives him a huge clothesline and nearly decapitates him and proceeds to (laughs) annihilate Mysterio on the floor. It's so, tremendous. Yeah, that was my number nine. Batista
2: turns on Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I don't remember that one, that was, that's, that's That sounds
1: really good. Okay. Well, uh, next up on my list, uh, I guess I'm at number seven. I guess I'm a little, uh, I might not have as many. I might, I might not have come up as many as uh, the rest of you did, but I'm doing another NWO turn here. Uh, but I am doing when Bischoff joined the NWO in late 96. I know a lot of people give credit to Vince McMahon for being the evil heel authority figure. And I certainly can understand somebody saying that uh, McMahon did it better than Bischoff. That, I think that is a very valid point. But Bischoff was doing it first. Remember, he he was revealed to kind of be in cahoots with the nwo in late 96 i want to say piper was the one that figured it out they just turned on him right before he truly uh announced that it was but i thought for its time that was that was pretty shocking that was the first time i think we'd seen the uh authority figure actually turn out to be a, a corrupt villain so i think it being such a uh I don't know if it's uh I, I can't really say it was uh a, a blueprint, but it it was it really was the first of the modern heel authority figures. So I think that's why it made my list. But yeah, Bischoff joining the NWO, I have it my number seven.
2: I I like the 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 contrast between like Vince being like angry and Power consumed. For, I mean, Bischoff was too, but he would—he was more cocky, arrogant. You know, I'm the man because I'm with the NWO kind of thing, and nice difference there.
1: Yeah, and and I think part of it also is, I mean, Bischoff is younger than Vince McMahon, but physically he looked quite a few years younger because I think Bischoff was probably early 40s at that time, and I think Vince would would have been early 50s. So I, I think that's part of that. I mean, there's a reason Scott Hall used to go, hey Kendall, you know, back when when uh before uh Bischoff joined, but you know, because he kinda had that uh um you know, he, he almost looked like an action figure, you know, because it you know he because the way he smiled and he had the perfect hair and all that.
2: Nice. Uh my number nine is one that probably we might all have because it, it's it's kinda epic, but Um, I have some other ones ahead of it. Um, Think of WWE splitting up tag teams and how it's normally done, right? Miscommunications, lose matches, start arguing, that kind of stuff. Um, And as soon as I say this, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Brutus, the Barber Beefcake's talk show, The Barber Shop. We all know what's going to happen here, right? The the Rockers explode. Shawn Michaels super kicks Marty Jannetty and chucks him through the the glass window. Uh, You don't get a lot more epic than that. I was just yeah, that so. Was actually,
1: that was actually my number two. Uh, uh, and I, a long time ago when we were first doing social media for our podcast stuff, it's, it's up there at the. Uh, uh, Wrestling brethren uh, podcast, uh, Facebook page. There's a little area still in there called. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, uh, wrestling affirmations or something like that. And it was kind of positive thought stuff uh, in the form of wrestling, but it was usually ironic. And and I use that where it's make a difference in somebody's life. And it's Sean standing there holding up Marty's hand, but it's a, you know, right before he super kicks him. So if you know the moment, you know, what's happening next. So it's just like, yeah, make a difference in somebody's life. Because boy, Sean sure did do that. <laughs>
0: This was also number two on my list.
1: But we all have the same number one, I'm sure.
0: But when you said, uh, when you were talking about a tag team breaking up, I thought you were talking about uh, Gigi and Jane. Or JC, sorry, last name. Oh, contraction. Yeah. Yeah, No. no. I wonder wonder who books NXT.
2: No. No.
0: (laughs) I have no idea. Also, that (laughs) angle took place 30 years ago.
2: Oh, we're going deep into the archives here.
1: Yeah. I still remember Brain's call of that, where uh I was like, Well man, Marty tried to dive out the window. What a (laughs) coward. Followed up by, are you
0: blind? Will you stop? number eight on my list took place july 23rd 2012 on raw 1000 Mm -hmm. cm punk turns on the rock cm punk tired of the spotlight always being on the rock and the rock came in to make the save and was getting ready To do the people's elbow on the big show and cm punk comes flying in the ring from the floor and delivers a wicked lariat to which give credit to the rock he sold his ass off for that clothesline like he was shot but he especially sold the gts and this was uh the lead into punk versus rock at the following royal rumble 2013 where CM Punk's reign of 434 came to an end. But this is where it all started, where Punk couldn't take Dwayne in his spotlight anymore and turns heel.
1: That was very well done. Uh, It was on my list too, quite frankly. So um, I can totally see that. And my understanding, I could be wrong, but my understanding is Rock actually wanted to work with Punk. Uh, for that and that's why it was stretched out as long as it was but um yeah great angle top to bottom i've always preferred punk as a baby face even though i think he prefers being a heel uh but he, he does both very well so it's like well, i was a little disappointed that he turned heel it's like i know how good he is at that so i can see why they did it so
0: and just the timing if you go back and watch that when the rock comes down to the ring punk takes a powder to the floor and rock does the spine buster on big show and then he sets up for the people's elbow when he bounces off the ropes to the one side punk slides in hops up and nails the flying clothesline in one smooth motion it's just the timing is unreal
1: Mm -hmm. so next on my list uh, it's another older school one. I mean, we're talking over 40 years ago now. And I am talking about the, uh, I guess it would be called an exhibition match between Bruno Sammartino and his protege, Larry Zabisco, which led to the turn, where Zabisco turned on Bruno, bloodied him up and all that, and it led to the... uh uh, I think it. I think well, I think a blow off was that Shea Stadium cage match that also had uh, Hogan and uh, Andre on it. But uh, yeah, the that initial heel turn, Larry Zabisco turning on Bruno Martino, That's another one I think that's kind of a blueprint or uh, an archetype for how a heel turn works. Because it was again, it was a whole thing of. It started out as just exhibition. Okay, yeah, we're going to have a nice, clean wrestling match and all that. And Larry just got frustrated because Bruno kept topping him in every way when it came to in the ring. So Larry got frustrated and just turned to cheating. And and again, it's one of those things I think it works just about any time when it's done well. So yeah, I'm picking uh, Zabisco turning on Bruno. I think it was what eight as eighty, eighty one maybe.
2: I I saw that one while I was looking for things to refresh my memories. So I never did see it happen though. So I've only read about it, but I did not actually see the turn happen. And that was
0: before my time even interested in wrestling, so I can't comment.
2: All right, I have another one where might be on a few of our, or a couple of our lists at least. Uh, there's only a few us here, so why would I say that? We're um, going to the mid '90s. Uh, we have to include the man who's had everybody turn against him, right? Sting. Mm-hmm. So I thought one of the one of the cool ones was was Flair, when he was feuding uh, against former, well, former, current, well, okay, Four Horsemen member, right, Arn Anderson. And Stinger, or sorry, Flair needs help. So he calls in Stinger to be his his uh, partner against Anderson and Pillman. Um, he even brought out a bunch of kids with like Sting face paint and stuff, which was kind of neat. Uh, so Sting agrees to the match. And then, of course, Flair gets, quote, attacked backstage. Um, so Sting's all out there by himself. And Flair comes out to seemingly make the save, but of course, beats a crap out of Sting and and gets back with his buddies. So... That was, you know, classic Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, it's that type of thing where they wait for that, what's supposed to be that hot tag or the yeah uh, the, the end of the match, and then that's when the turn is.
2: Well, I mean, Sting was practically dead at that point anyway, right? He barely made the tag, mm-hmm. and then Flair comes in and kicks the crap out of him, which was <laughs> typical Flair.
0: So I was trying to come up with WCW heel turns to make my list. And my brain must not be working because I couldn't think of any of those turns. And, of course, the Internet's not very pro-WCW these days, so nothing really came up on searches. But when you said that, Jared, it made me think of probably my favorite turn on Sting, which is not the one you mentioned, but the one that happened when Sting was a member of the Four Horsemen. Oh they yeah! They kicked him out on Clash of the Champions. That was on my list. Yeah, and Flair's like, <laughs> "You've got one hour to decide." I tried to give you more time. <laughs> it was like the only reason you're not dead now is because I saved you. I stopped these guys from killing you. You've got one hour. Make the right decision. Because he was, it was supposed to be, I guess, Flair versus Sting, and he wanted him to back out of the match. Yeah, like, exactly right. If you don't right, back yeah. up by the end, of, back out of this match by the end of the show, we're going to kill you. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah they, they, Flair took it as an insult that Sting still wanted a world title shot. Yeah. And I, I think that was 1990 or 91 or something like that. Yeah. Late, late 89, early 90. Yeah. Cause it's what led to the, um, uh, Bash. More yeah. Days. I think it was Bash at the Beach where Sting won the title. Because yeah. they, 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 it was like a year and a half or two-year build for Sting finally getting a shot at the world title. So this was right around the time I first started watching WCW, so I guess that's why I tend to remember it. But uh,
0: I say war but games, yeah. but I meant wrestle war. Yeah. <laughs> so my number seven was taken, Andre turns on Hogan, so I'll skip ahead to number six. Uh, April 1st, 2001, WrestleMania X-7. Stone Cold Steve Austin turns on the rock by aligning himself with the devil himself, Vince McMahon. And I'm only counting the turn itself on that night. The aftermath was horseshit. So <laughs> I'm only <sighs> counting the turn and the turn itself. That's it. Nothing else happened after that. <laughs> you going a Men in Black stick thingy flash your memory and you don't remember anything after that. Because the rest sucked. And even Steve Austin will tell you it was a bad idea. But the turn itself was epic.
1: Okay, well, we already talked about the uh, horseman turning on Sting. So I'll just move into the next, which is another four horseman turn. But this one was, I want to say it was, I think it was April of '88 and it cuz Barry Windham and Lex Luger were the tag champions and they were doing a uh, match against uh, Arn and Tully i think this was the same clash of the champions that had the one hour draw between Sting and Flair i think i could be wrong about that but it's just going from memory and it actually ended with Barry turning on Luger and Luger getting pinned and Barry joining the Four Horsemen. So so it was basically Barry surrendering the tag titles to Arn and Tully, and then Barry would go on to be the uh, U.S. champion. He would win the U.S. title shortly after that. So that's that's my list. I think I've added in number five on my list is Barry Windham turning on Luger and joining the Four Horsemen.
2: I'm going to go to a more recent one perhaps not super recent, but recent ish, given that we're talking about you know WCW and back in their nineties and eighties. But uh, one of the one of the bigger ones on my list is uh, the chair shot heard round the world, and it was right after the the Shield beat up Evolution and uh Triple H and Co. come out to face the Shield in the ring, and that's when Triple H announces that there's always a plan B, and that's when Seth Rollins chairs Roman reigns in the back and turns on the shield. And like, I was such a big shield guy at the time. Like, you just did not do that. Like, no way. Don't break the shield up. Oh my God. I did not want that to happen, but Seth Rollins became just a mega star after that.
0: Yeah. But you're forgetting what led into that. Batista walked out. Forcing them to enact plan B. That was Batista's, uh, Queen of England wave and just basically walked out on Raw. He made it Blue for Naomi and uh, Sasha did it.
2: Does Batista really matter in the grand scheme of things, though? Give me what I want! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a leading man in the movie, well.
1: <laughs> that, that was the night after he came out as Blue Tista, right? Or the, the internet called him that? Uh,
0: I think that was earlier in that run, yeah. But the same run, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was number four on my list, Jared. But I do have a five before that. <laughs> and um,
2: Thanks for math. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's my only entry from TNA. Ooh. And it's March 11th, 2013, TNA Lockdown. Bully Ray turns on Brooke and Hulk Hogan, revealing himself to be the president and leader of Aces and Eights. Oh, I forgot all about that. He won the world title by hitting Jeff Hardy with a hammer and then cuts a promo the following week saying how it was all a ruse and a plan for 8 months and besides the nwo and and uh any other faction wars probably one of the better long-term storytelling angles that there's been especially for tna
1: including uh, s- supposedly marrying quote unquote hulk hogan's daughter
0: yeah Love he that, screwed her uh, and that. Honey Scrooter.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, he was he was so good at that at that time in that run. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He 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 always, I think, was a bit underrated as far as like main event level talker. I mean, he's always been a good talker, but I, I would put him in there with some of the all time greats, like in the you know, the uh maybe not rock, but certainly like guys in the level of uh uh, you know, Punk, Hogan, Randy Savage, guys like that, who you know can hold their mustard with the, the main eventers, as far as talkers. You know, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, and that's funny that we're talking about that because I was just watching a, a clip on uh, on the WWE Network the other day, and it was a whole bunch of stuff about The Rock, and it was when uh, the Dudleys first showed up, and of course The Rock gives the Who in the blue hell are you, Rudy Poos? And and Dudley's like, don't you know who we are? We're the did 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 It doesn't matter. But you know, he goes from being the the stuttering goofball to being one of the or, one of the top guys, right? In that run, that was just that's uh, so so good. Mm-hmm. And a great mind
0: for the business. I've oh, yeah. said, I've said numerous times, if I ever won the lottery and started my own promotion. Bully Ray would get all the
1: pencils. (laughs) I would support that. Mm -hmm. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm thinking this is on somebody's list here. So I might as well grab it now, especially since I think I'm out of picks now, except for two, including this one. I have it as my number three. And I am going with the WrestleMania, I think it was 13, but it was a double turn. And that being the Bret Hart heel oh. turn, Steve Austin face turn uh, in, in the same match at WrestleMania. Because I think it still qualifies as a heel turn because it was Bret turning heel. But by doing that, it turned Steve Austin face. And it's really looked at as kind of the beginning of... Of what we now know is the attitude era, because that's you know Brett turning bad was really one of those things I don't think too many people would have saw coming. At least, uh, at least not for if you were to think about uh, a few months back when, because they they kind of gave him the hero's welcome when he was coming back after doing that Lonesome Dove series and such. But they were hinting it with him doing all the complaining about being screwed and this and that, but. Uh, yeah, that for definitely for its time, it's a it, it was uh, uh again it was it was kind of a template that I think a lot of people followed when they were trying to do double turns.
2: That match, yeah, I for for my list that was number two on my list, but that was almost um almost following not following, but it was like the like the Rock Hogan match in in that. Stone Cold was getting beat up so much, and he was Bret Hart was just owning him throughout the match. The fans just got behind him as the underdog almost, and just turned him throughout the course of the match. And of course, Bret plays into it, and he goes all heel, and it just became this amazing double turn and that that iconic image at the end of the match, right where Stone Cold pulls his head up to scream in pain, and there's just that blood just pouring down his face. But that led to probably the my favorite version of the Bret Hart character where, you know, he was heel in the USA, but Canada still cheered the crap out of him. So Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, it wasn't just Canada. He was a baby face everywhere in the world, but the
2: USA. True. True. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: So Steve Austin, what did you do exactly to turn face in that match? Well, Jesus Christ, son, I just passed out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I got my ass whipped.
0: Uh, well, seeing as I was there, it is shocking that it, that's not even on my
2: list. Dude. <laughs> Dude, And you're a wrestling fan, WTF. I well, expect-
0: I'll, I'll plead ignorance and say that it, it's somewhere in 11 through 20, maybe.
2: Ugh. I I need to uh, return six, six of my subscriptions to your newsletter. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe I can get you back with my next entrant because I was also <laughs> at this one. Now, now you'll take my, my entry and then I'll just have to say that you took two in a row, but all right, go ahead.
2: All right. <laughs> this one may be on your list though, Josh, it's my number six. Uh, is it my only one from NXT? I think it might be. Yeah. Um, when DIY broke up and Tommaso Ciampa turned against Johnny Gargano Use uh,
0: Sanamagan.
2: yeah. I, I, I figured you might have it, but I just loved it so much. Is they they lost that um amazing match uh against uh the authors of pain at takeover Chicago and uh that was like his ladder match, yeah. And uh, you know, they're they're doing like the, the baby face loss, kind of you know, the the crowd's still cheering for him, like good job, guys, etc. And as they walk up the ramp, and you know, Tomas is like. Nails him, like, this is my time. And hits him and uh, splats him on the ramp. And, yeah, it was crazy. Did not see that coming. DIY was so popular. And didn't he, didn't he, like, air raid crash him through the announce table or something, too? And, yeah, I just couldn't believe it was happening. The most unique thing about that turn
0: is Ciampa blew out his knee during the match. And he was going to have to have surgery. And he not only finished the match, but he did the turn exactly how it was supposed to be done. So he gutted it out to finish that performance and do it the way it was supposed to be done. But then he had to go off and have knee surgery. And they still were able to tell this story on TV, maybe not every single week, but they kept it at the forefront. And then when he came back on crutches, He got to blast Gargano on TV week after week after week with his crutch (laughs) until he was 100%. And then they got the feud back on track. This feud lasted, what, two-plus years? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was taken up by injury time. But, man, if they could get to this on the main roster, the babyface side, the the turn, I don't care if they run it all back. They, are, they have some of the best chemistry oh, for sure. I've seen, and I'd love to see it on the main roster. And it'd still be under Triple H, so it's going to be good.
2: I can't imagine the, the video package that, that they would put out in support of rebuilding that feud. That'd be amazing. Right.
0: Okay, well, my four, three, and two were all taken. So four, four, I had Rollins turning on the shield. Three, I had Ciampa turns on Gargano. Uh, my number two was The End of the Rockers. And I have it listed as January 12, 1992, WWF Syndication. I don't even remember what mm-hmm. show that aired on. Could have been Superstars, could have been Wrestling Challenge. I don't remember. So that leads me to my number one and my final entry and whether or not this is all of our number ones, I don't know,
1: but Probably it's gotta is. be,
0: it's gotta be on all of our lists somewhere. February 3rd, 1989, the main event. I'm not number three in the mega powers. I'm number one. And you guys got me in the back seat. Randy Savage turns on oh, yeah. Hogan. I have this at number one because this was the best of times because I was a huge Randy Savage mark at the time. And I hated Hulk Hogan. And this <laughs> was just played right into my wheelhouse. So this was great for me, except for the eventual loss to Hogan at mania. But I, I, For a time, I don't have it done now, but for a time when I was a kid, I had that whole segment memorized and could recite it to you verbatim (laughs) about uh, the whole backstage stuff. The only annoying part about it was Liz in the background. Please, your friends, your friends, please, Randy, no. Shut up. (laughs) 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 But. Once again, much like my number two, which was the end of the Rockers, Brutus Beefcake found himself in the middle of another heel turn because um, uh, when Savage hit Hogan with the belt shot, he was going to hit him again. Elizabeth throws herself on top of Hogan to stop it. Randy's like, I'm going to splatter you right on him. I'm going to splatter you right on him. And he goes to wind up and brutus beefcake comes out of nowhere and takes the belt out of, on uh, out of his hands and then of course uh randy throws beefcake across the room throws liz across the room which wouldn't go over too well nowadays but no. he beats up pat patterson uh just great television and not only my favorite heel turn but probably my favorite promo slash segment of that era
1: and i think there were a lot of people that could uh relate to randy in that because you know you look at it it's like elizabeth gets hurt in that match against the twin towers hogan runs off with with not only leaves savage by himself but takes savage's girl with him (laughs) it's like why the hell what what would what what would you expect to happen (laughs) You know the the true babyface thing to do. Uh, and I know this is hindsight, but the true babyface thing to do would have been to tell Savage, "Okay, go go get her to safety. I'll oh I'll, I'll take on the bad guys." Type thing, you know. But uh, it's it uh, it seemed like uh, one of those things where I think once you're over a certain age, you're probably rooting for Savage because you know it's like we all reach that age where where it's like. It's how we look at it with G.I. Joe. It's like we all love G.I. Joe when we were in grade school, but then right about the time you hit late junior high or high school and you start not playing with toys as much and you start getting into uh, more mature stuff. I think that's kind of what it might have been for uh, Hogan and Savage for some people. It's like the, the, when you got a few years older, it's like Savage was cooler than Hogan was, if that makes any sense. Um, I
0: was one month away from being 13. So yeah. I was just entering my yeah. teenage years. And, yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I I've said it lots on this show that, you know, for, for years and years and years, for 36 years, that was my favorite angle of all time until the bloodline peaked <laughs> last year, right? So that's, that's how high regard I hold that one. Um, <clears throat> yes, Josh, you described it. Perfectly. It's such good, such good shit.
1: Yeah. Well, he wrote it. Well, (laughs) that leaves uh, one more on my list. I'm, this is the one I was figuring was going to be on everybody else's number one because it was my number one. It also involves Hogan, but we are talking the infamous formation of the NWO in 1996 at, at Bash at the Beach when. Hogan, well, dropped the leg on Savage. <laughs> now, maybe he plotted that for seven years. Revenge. <laughs> he knew you for that ultimate revenge. Uh, and that would led to another all-time great heel promo. But uh, yeah, I that I really don't think I could have anything else as number one as far as top yeah. heel turns. Uh, we all saw it happen. I I didn't even see it happen live. I heard about it the following day at work. Because, of course, this was before everybody had Internet. I mean, some people had Internet, but 1996, the Internet was still in its infancy. uh, And you usually had to wait a few days to find out what happened on something. If you missed something on TV, there was no DVR. You you missed it. And uh, I still remember hearing after the fact, somebody said, no, Hogan was the third guy. And it's like, I was like, what? because <laughs> in 1996 the whole concept of hulk hogan as a villain it just it didn't even cross our minds it's like there's no way possible you know it would be like you know, superman turning evil you know and i know there's elseworld stories where that that happened including the uh uh the injustice video game and that for uh non-comic geeks that's the story of that game is it's it's an alternate reality where superman turns bad and basically takes over the world um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's like just the whole idea of Hulk Hogan being a villain was just incomprehensible. It's like, can he still, uh, can, will he still be able to Hulk up? You know, I'll steal a line from Ryan and Vinny. Um, you know, it's like, we couldn't believe that this world that we're going to be in with a villain, Hulk Hogan, like, will the, will the sun come up in the morning? Will there be food? <laughs> you know, how are we going to live in this, <laughs> in this world now with no, no Hulk Hogan? So uh but yeah, that's that's my number one. Um the, the now the turn on Savage, I I, I totally get. I mean, now like you said, up until that point, that was probably the number one for me. But um I there was also the Sean turning on Marty and a few others, but I can't think of anything else other than Hogan turning and forming the NWO in 1986 as the best heel turn
0: you know for as high regard as i have for bobby the brain heenan i hated that he indirectly gave it away before it happened because as hogan's marching to the ring you know tony Schiavone's, you know cheering you know oh he's gonna save the day and then bobby goes yeah but whose side is he on and i'm like damn it you just gave it away you son of a bitch (laughs) and I that's my only nitpick of that that angle that night is if he would have just not said that i think it would have gone over in tv a little bit better but i was like
1: <laughs> well i i think what a lot of people thought at the time is that did you we just didn't think about it because we knew that heenan hated hogan and didn't always trust him or never never trusted him but we we never thought heenan would actually be right again like i said i didn't i didn't see it live so i can't really Relate to watching it live, but that's what would have crossed my mind at the time. And I'm like, well, of course, Heenan's going to distrust Hogan. He's a bad guy.
0: Yeah, but then he didn't take credit for it afterwards like he would have mm-hmm. if it happened
2: in WWF. <laughs> I was still so much a mark at that time that that never even crossed my mind. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, it's Hogan. Yeah, he's going to save everybody. Whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That was, yeah, that was number one on my list. Um, Savage Hogan was number two. So, yeah, there goes my
1: my top picks. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think we've gone through all mine, too. Yeah, uh,
2: I do have two left, but I mean, after we've gone through like the top three of all time, these are going to seem like second rate uh, <laughs> heel turns. but um, I'll just go through them real quick. My um, number five was uh, Paul Orndorff turning on Hulk Hogan.
1: Oh, it's another good one. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. After you know the first WrestleMania and and Hogan, and Mr. T beat Orndorff and and Piper. You know, Piper blamed Orndorff for it and everything, and and uh, attacked him on what Saturday Night's main event? I think it was. Um, I think it was
1: the first main event.
2: Yeah, the first Saturday Night's main event. It, yeah, so like Orndorff essentially turned face after that. Um, he rescued Hogan from. A uh, Piper beat down, I think, with uh, with uh, Cowboy Bob, and he teamed with him a bunch of times. And then of course, typical, all cracks start showing in the alliance and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, you know, and then you have Adrian Adonis calling Horndorf like Hulk Junior. and just kind of rubbing it in his face that he's not as big of a star as Hogan is, and he's not as good friends as he thinks he is. And that's when uh, Orndorf tried to call him at home live on TV. And then Hulk didn't answer, and, and you know, he's, he's working out. He doesn't have time for you, right? And that, that pissed Orndorff off. And, uh, you know, eventually there's a beatdown, and and uh, Hogan got beat down for a long time, and then Orndorff comes to make the save, but he picks Hogan up and then, boom, clothesline, and, and turns on him. So that was pretty sweet. And then the
1: pile driver, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: the pile driver afterwards, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've known Orndorff as anything but a
2: heel, so that was definitely before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one I had, uh, my number four was Owen Hart turning on Brett. Yeah. And that whole that brother feud, Yeah, one of the ones I don't need to relive the whole thing, but that brother feud was was so good. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, Owen gets eliminated uh, from, uh, I guess, what, Survivor Series? Yeah. Um, they were communicating again you know typical wwe teaming things and of course you know owen didn't like that you know being second to his brother or whatever so yeah just that that whole family thing with the hearts and them all coming together and uh so good yeah until they lost to the quebecers and it was
1: awesome (laughs) yeah the only reason i didn't have those on my list is because i figured you guys were using we're going to take them i was trying to use ones that uh that that wouldn't have been on your guys' list. So,
2: I think we still pr- did pretty good with some variety.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Even though we had what 30, 35 heel turns <laughs> here, that you know, you know, the the five top epic ones, you know, we we all had the same. But other than that, it was pretty good.
0: And I mm-hmm. think in the eighties slash nineties, it was in everybody's contract that they got to turn on Hulk Hogan. <laughs>
2: You I mean, started, started talking about G.I. Joe, and, of course, that got me thinking about know, Sergeant Slaughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. That Somebody wasn't didn't... so much of a turn as much as it was him just coming back as a bad guy. True. But there's plenty of stuff of him turning on the uh, on the Indies and such. Yeah. Oh, I should say the territory is not the Indies.
0: Well, I think we have a great collective list. Um I think I might have to work on the audio levels when I was doing my Randy Savage impersonation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pucamaniacs.
0: Yeah. just I, th- That just reminded me, all the promos between that turn and WrestleMania with Randy Savage looking like he's constipated and cutting these promos with the camera <laughs> zoomed in on his face so you could tell what he had for breakfast. I mm. Man. But also at the same time, if you take away that stuff, he had video evidence like they went. If you remember these promos, they went back and forth week after week after week because they didn't have live television at the time. So they would do like Savage would cut a promo and he would show video evidence of the lust that Hogan had for Miss Elizabeth And then Hogan would come back the following week showing the same footage but from like a different angle or something, like the babyface version of it. It was so well done for the time, but it was just like we you wanted to tune in next Saturday while you're eating your breakfast and watching wrestling and be like, okay, Savage is gonna say something, and then Hogan's gonna retort, and then Savage is gonna retort the following week. It was like must
2: see TV. Mm Mm-hmm. Imagine that, Josh, incremental storyline development. <laughs> Weekly episodic television? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, dear. I mean, Bully Ray just said it on Sirius XM today. When, from the time Sammy joined the bloodline, or at least started interacting with them, to when he hit Roman with the chair, was nine months. Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't think I realized it was that long. Holy cow.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. April 2022 till January 2023. Anyway, we did a great list of all these wonderful heel turns. And uh, Big Show was only mentioned once. And uh, so next episode, we will be at the cusp of another premium live event as WWE brings us. Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Canada. And we will be making our previews and predictions of what should be another great show on the road
2: to WrestleMania. I predict there's going to be shenanigans after the main event. No. <laughs> Get out of town. Can I have my crystal ball now?
0: <laughs> Get well, out fe- of the city. Are <laughs> they going to feature two Montreal Canadians? Well, I see what you did player. there not not the hockey players but you know <laughs> all right any final thoughts well,
1: i think we have a pretty good list i'm sure if i sat down for another 20 minutes or so i probably could have come up with a couple others but uh yeah i'm i'm really happy with the list we had i think we got pretty diverse you know like i said some of those i that we won over i intentionally did not put on my list cuz i figured you guys were going to pick them so um I'm I'm definitely happy with the uh, uh, the assortment that we had.
2: Yep, same here. It was fun reliving some memories, and you know we went we went back to the '80s for crying out Geez, we're barely old enough to watch wrestling in the '80s, so uh, definitely fun.
0: What did our list teach us? We are old. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, once again, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle Podcast Network let us know your thoughts questions and comments on Twitter at twbp show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash behind the squared circle and on instagram at the wrestling Brethren you can follow Jared on Twitter at the bacon Rev you can follow Seth at Lord Zandrax and you can follow Josh at SouthpawJosh. Josh thank you again for listening and we will talk to you again soon with more from the wrestling Brotherhood